Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start Ed Up podcast. This episode is a little out of the ordinary in that it was recorded to be a class for high school students. Going back a few months, right when COVID-19 hit, I got some requests from teachers that said, hey, we never had time to get to innovation and mindset curriculum. Do you mind if you put some things out there? So I'd called on some uh, of our people in our network, some really awesome people. And Stephen Kotler is one of the first persons I thought of One, because I was going to talk about how students can kind of get into a flow and also, you know, how they can kind of create their new workspace and how they could, you know, really get in and do some deep work and also get them to see of this extra time that they had as an opportunity and not a liability. Uh, So, you know, this was a conversation that Stephen and I had. And the thing that I love, actually get right to it in the beginning of the episode, uh, Stephen has had a profound impact uh, and his books have had a profound impact on my teaching career and life. And so for many of these reasons, I wanted to have him on and just re-release as a podcast. Because again, a lot of high schoolers got to listen to this, actually see it. It was a video. Um, but I decided to release as a podcast. You can find more about Stephen Kotler at stephenkotler.com. He now has a, a class on mindvalley.com. Uh, he runs the Flow Collective. I, I'm telling you, if you dig into this man's work, you're not going to come out. Uh, he is among my favorite thought leaders and has really taken uh, the science of how to get into flow to the next level. So make sure you follow Stephen and all his works, check out his books. Uh, also, it means the world to us when you guys leave ratings and reviews and feedback uh, on the podcast platforms and on Twitter. Uh, we strive to bring you great thought leaders, especially for our youth, because we know now more than ever, uh, understanding abundance, understanding flow, understanding how to think like an innovator and entrepreneur, is of the most importance. All right, enough gabbing for me. I know that you're going to love this one. The one and the only, Stephen Kotler. All right, now we're joined with Stephen Kotler. Stephen, thank you for joining us. John, it's a pleasure to be with you, as always. As always. So uh, let me first start off for the people that are just now discovering who Stephen Kotler is. A, I've got to be honest with you, probably there's three people in my teaching career uh, who has really, really, really impacted my classroom and my life. Um, abundance was great. I can't seem to get bold off of, um, and yes, I still have a CD player in my car, kids. Uh, but I listened to that audiobook, which you narrate, and bold was honestly one of the beginnings of why I wanted to start this LinkedIn group, for those of you that are joining it, and really just try to want to form some DIY communities. Uh, you talk about that in bold, and it's wonderful. I highly recommend that book. Um, you're also now the author of a, of a, and co-author with Steve, uh, Peter Diamandas of uh, Futures Faster Than You Think, uh, which, by the way, Bold is also uh, co-authored by Peter Diamandas as well. Um, and, and I highly recommend that one as well because it talks about emerging areas and some of the things that how the future is faster than you think. And ironically enough, one of our guests coming up is uh, uh, Nikhil uh, from Uber Elevate, which I read about from your book. And so we got connected through you. Um, but one of the things that you've been really, really known for is your uh, research and looking into flow states. And I wanted to introduce uh, the students, and I know like this is just going to be dipping your toe in the very shallowest end of the pool. But I wanted to talk to the students a little bit about uh, flow states, how you can kind of create that environment, and how it might affect uh, your performance. Cool. 
Uh, you want to start with the definition? Yeah. All right. So uh, for those of you who don't know, flow, you might call it being in the zone, runner's high, play basketball, you call it being unconscious. Um, it flows, the, the scientific term, and it uh, refers to those moments of total absorption and concentration gets so focused on what you're doing that everything else just sort of disappears. Time will pass strangely. So, you know, you get so lost in what you're doing, five hours goes by in like five minutes. Um, sometimes occasionally it'll slow down, you get a freeze frame effect from your interviews in a car crash. Um, that free frame often shows up more frequently in flow states that show up in action sports or sports, that kind of thing. Um, and sense of self disappears. And throughout, and this is the really key property, all aspects of performance, both mental and physical, go through the roof. To put it more simply, flow is quite simply how evolution shaped our brain to perform at our best. So we're all hardwired for peak performance and we're all hardwired for flow. It's a fundamental property of being human. So anybody who's listening to this can get into flow. And if you've had experiences with flow, you know they're fantastic, but they're hard to repeat. They're random. And that's kind of one of the biggest differences. Over the past 20 years, we've started to use neuroscience. This is the work that I'm involved in to decode what's going on in the brain during flow. So we can figure out what's causing these experiences and how to get more of them. And we really know we want to get more of them. So let, let's talk a little bit, Don, if you don't mind, about the performance impact first. And then we'll talk about how to hack flow and all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's a lot of science behind these numbers and I, I'm always nervous about saying, Hey, it does this without giving you all the nitty gritty science detail, but I'm going to spare you all the nitty gritty science detail and bite my tongue and just talk a little bit about what we know. So motivation and productivity, persistence, those kinds of core qualities seem to skyrocket. In some studies, we see a 500% boost in productivity, for example, we see, um, got to be critical to anybody kind of listening to this, uh, a massive spike in creativity and innovation. So foundational. And uh, we've done some research uh, in our work. We saw about a 430% increase in creativity. That number uh, actually jives with some work that was done at the University of Sydney in Australia. Um, there's other cool work done at Harvard that says that this heightened creativity that shows up in flow will outlast the flow state by a day, maybe two. So if you drop into flow, it's like an hour, two hours, it's great, it goes away. But that heightened creativity, according to Teresa Mobley at Harvard, will last a couple of days. We see uh, really big upticks in learning. The Department of Defense found that soldiers in flow learn 240% faster than normal. In other work, uh, also done by the same team who did that work, but it was, wasn't, it was non-military, they uh, could take beginner students train them up to the expert level in a number of disciplines that they were working in in flow it took 50 percent less time so in certain cases flow seems to cut learning rates completely in half uh you see probably the biggest impact is on happiness well-being overall life satisfaction in fact uh flow is now considered kind of foundational to our definition of overall well-being life satisfaction the people who score off the charts for those qualities of the people who have most flow in their lives, flow also increases collaboration, cooperation, empathy, and environmental awareness, your ability to kind of perceive and take in the natural world. All of these things are massively amplified in flow. Um, there are 
complicated evolutionary biology reasons why it's this specific set of things that get amplified that 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 happens for a reason we're starting to understand why it is it sounds like a crazy assortment of things but they, they all tend to serve a very specific purpose and from an evolutionary perspective because this would be interesting to your group a lot of that purpose is to facilitate to hyper facilitate innovation um which is uh, when you're faced with scarcity, which is one of the big drivers of evolution, right. you could fight over resources or you can make new resources, right? Innovation is making new resources. So everything the brain needs to innovate is amplified in flow. So that's really cool. Well, I, and, and for some context, I remember um, you talked about like the ways that people have experienced it, whether that like a lot of times gamers will, will talk about this. It's that point where time is both sped out, sped up and slowed down. Like you're moving in a matrix kind of way. And at the same time, all of a sudden your mom calls and you're like, you've been playing video games for 15 hours. You're like, there's no way. Oh my gosh. And that experience. So I think a lot of people like when they think about those moments, that you are like just unconscious, whether it's in sports or in a video game, and that feeling of euphoria. But at the same time, what you're saying is when you get done with that, you are in this zone of creativity. And what I love hearing is you're in a zone of innovation, of empathy, of like these hyper awesome uh, state. I, I think that's so important. So like when you're like, this sounds crazy. I think a lot of students have experienced that they just didn't know what they were experiencing. Yeah, that's very, very, well, flow is really common. Studies show that uh, people go to work, right? Spend five, just on average, 5% of their work life is spent in flow. And this is like folks who don't even notice it. Um, and there's, you know, there's really common social flows. There's group flows. So there's what's known as interpersonal flow. This is, everybody who's watching this has had this. This is where you get so caught up in a discussion with your best friend that like five hours go by and you're like, what happened? Right. Yes. That's right. That's interpersonal flow. And you know, and, and, and flows, uh, it's a spectrum experience, right? You can have, so psychologists, when they define flow, they say, Hey, it's got six core characteristics, meaning six things it does. It sort of changes how you feel. So they know it's got complete concentration in the present moment. There's time passing. Strangely, it's known as time dilation. That's what they call it. Um, time dilation, the vanishing of self, right? Self-consciousness goes away. Um, it's another reason, by the way, creativity spikes because our self-consciousness gets very, very quiet. That voice in your head, that inner critic, that nagging always on defeatist voice in your head, it's always telling you you're dumb and stupid and scared, whatever. Um, I got one too. Um, that gets really quiet in flow. So risk-taking and creativity go through the roof because you're no longer doubting all your neat ideas. That's another reason that innovation spikes in flow. Um, I don't know where I was going with this. Where, <laughs> where, I, uh, no, well, no, like those experiences, and we, we've had them. So how have these companies recreated these? Like in some ways, we, you can't necessarily build a roller coaster or have a ski slope to go down and then go into group flow. Yeah. So that's a, so that's a really big misnomer and I'm probably to blame because I wrote a giant book on flow and talked about it primarily in terms of yes. action sports. Yeah. I was so going to say rise of Superman was fantastic. Yeah, everybody, yeah, yeah. everybody, everybody, everybody who's read that book is absolutely convinced that flow only shows up at action sports and um, sponsored by Red Bull. Yeah. Sponsored by Red Bull. Um, Drink more sugar cans, um, but uh, um, recreating. The point I was yeah. The yeah, point sorry. I was trying to make is um, 
any creative activity for sure, right? If, you're, if you've ever written anything, if you've ever painted or drawn or coded, right? Software, any of that stuff, been an architect, all that. Like those, these, these jobs fundamentally require flow. You can't do them without flow. Yeah. I'm a writer. I can't do my job without the state of flow. Most coder, you know, they like to say that coders in flow built the internet. Gamers in flow built the video game industry, right? And engineers in flow built Silicon Valley. So, you know, which is, which is probably true. So it, we, the state shows up all over the place. It is particularly common in action sports. And here's the reason why, and this is probably the, the, the most important thing we can talk about. Flow states have triggers. You want more flow in your life. There are ways to get more flow in your life. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, there's 22 flow triggers. We're not going to talk about all. We're only going to talk about a couple of them. But the big idea uh, is that flow follows focus. It only shows up when all of our attention is in the right here, right now. So that's what these triggers do. They drive attention into the present moment. I mean, they do this with fancy neurobiology. They push neurochemicals into our brain or, you know, do other things. And that, you know, that's what happens. But they all drive attention to the now. So if you want more flow, these triggers are sort of your toolkit. Um, and let's, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you an example that probably everybody can relate to. Novelty is a flow trigger. So everybody here has gone on vacation, gone to a new environment, run around and got totally lost and absorbed in what they were doing, right? Travel is this great driver of flow because yeah. novelty is a driver of flow. So here's what's cool about that. And here's like the hack that, especially for students, it's really kind of useful on this one. So when the brain encounters novelty, it gets more dopamine. Dopamine is one of these neurochemicals that drive flow. It's a feel-good neurochemical, but neurochemicals are multi-tools. They do a lot of different jobs in the brain. So dopamine increases focus. It also enhances creativity. It does a bunch of other stuff. Makes you feel really happy um, and excited. But when, so how memory works in the brain is the more neurochemicals that show up during the experience, better chance we're going to save that experience for later. So with dopamine in your system, with novelty, not only are you have a better chance of being in flow, you have a better chance of remembering what you learned in flow. So whenever I have to read a textbook, and I read tons of neuroscience textbooks, and you know, trust me, I mean, I, I sort of, a good textbook has sort of become like an adventure story to me, but there aren't that many great textbooks. So just like everybody else, textbooks kind of suck, and they're hard to read, and they're a little boring. And the information is great, but it's really hard to remember because right. it's not presented in a way that's very exciting. Yeah. So I take my boring textbooks to a coffee shop in parts of a uh, city where I've never been before. There's lots of novelty. I read them. The, con the reading requires really uninterrupted concentration. So I, I, I focus. I can tune out distraction. I might go, you know, a little white noise app on my, on my earbuds to kind of drown out the noise, but I can you know, focus. And the good news is the extra novelty is going to drive me into flow a little bit more during the reading and it's going to increase my learning rate. So it's going to make the learning easier. That's a really simple one um, that we, that we see a lot. Um, but can, you know, complete concentration is, you know, is sort of the gold standard. So like we tell people to start their day with an hour of complete concentration, 90 minutes, take your hardest task, the thing you got to do that if you're successful with your day, it's a big win. That's how you win your day. You start your day 
okay with it. You devote 90 minutes of uninterrupted concentration. And right now, everybody's stuck at home. This is a great time to check this out. Fantastic, yeah. right? Don't take my word for this, yeah. right? Do, run your own experiment. Don't believe me at all. Go check this out. But literally, and when I say 90, 120 minutes of uninterrupted concentration, whatever it is that you're doing, this could be playing video games. You know what I mean? Just yeah. like you want to cave yourself in, cell phone off, Twitter off, messages off, everything off. Um, but what you need to focus on um, really, really, really just sort of important. It's really simple. Yeah. But we're hard. That's the, that's the thing about peak performance. It's weird. Like the, the ways to hack peak performance seem really simple. They don't seem like they're going to produce the results that they produce. Um, but that's the advantage of because sort of the ground basic rule of peak performance really is you're just trying to get your biology to work for you rather than against you. We were designed, the system was designed to work a certain way. And if you get it to work a certain way, it works incredibly, incredibly, incredibly well. And it's a whole lot more fun. So, yeah, you, you said something that just made like all the sense in the world to me. And I think one of the reasons why I got most excited about doing this course is that there's novelty. Millions of kids right now are having to do e-learning. In some ways, that is the best thing because... Like when you're like, oh, there's nothing worse than reading a textbook in a familiar, overly familiar setting. That's called the classroom. Mm -hmm. a, a rose desk, not usually exciting environment where you're very used to and you're reading something that may be a little dry. I, when people start freaking out of, okay, I had several, literally launching of this thing because I had teachers like, this would be the perfect time for you to start teaching more of your innovation course. I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. And then the second thought that occurred to me was, Literally, I think, what was it, chapter nine of Bull? Like, for those of you that are really wanting to dig into this, a single chapter, if you wanted a kind of a, a Reader's Digest condensed version, is this chapter from Bull, when he talked, when Stephen writes about flow states. But that novelty and complexity can be now these next X amount of weeks, however long we're going to be quarantined, right? So what a great opportunity. So talk to me more about what even more can enhance that. I mean, I'm assuming like, you you religiously get up yeah. early and yeah, have so isolation and let's get into just that talk state. let's just so there's some really so here's an autonomy and everybody's watching like if you're curious about something and interested about something and exploring it you're going to pay way more attention than if a teacher tells you to go do it right in education they call it self-directed learning. And we know it sends learning rates to the roof. That's what Montessori education is based on. Yeah. But um, it's a flow trigger. And it's the way scientists like to say it is attention, our ability to focus, and autonomy are coupled systems. Yeah. Basically, if somebody else is telling you to do it, you're never going to be able to maximize your attention on it. Here's the cool thing. Everybody's stuck at home. You are a master of your own time yeah. for maybe the first time in forever. So you've got autonomy. You're in charge of your own time. You can take 90 minutes of uninterrupted concentration. Just check it out. Run the experiment. See yeah. if the quality of your work massively improves. Try not multitasking Facebook, social media. Like Try focusing in and in. There are – so – there's a lot of other flow triggers we could talk about, but I'd rather not because I think this is a really stressful time for people. And I want to talk, so stress is problematic. When we talk about stress as neuroscientists from the brain, 
we talk about a neurochemical called norepinephrine. This is vigilance. This is I'm frightened and I can't, right? When you can't stop watching CNN because you're scared and you can't pull away, that's vigilance. That's norepinephrine doing that to your brain. By the way, when you fall in love and you can't stop thinking about your boyfriend or your girlfriend, that's also norepinephrine. It's obsession, right? Like across the board. But what's tricky about it is it does some stuff to the brain that is really not useful uh, for flow and not useful. So a little bit of norepinephrine is great. You're awake, you're alert, you're paying some more attention. Maybe you're a little excited too much and you're super anxiety, super anxious, really, really fearful. So when we get fearful, the brain does something. It's really obvious, but it likes to limit your choices. So it says, wow, you're really scared. You're really overloaded. We're gonna, I'm going to limit your choices. So the classic example that everybody knows about is fight or flight. Right? If I threaten your life, if I, if I, if I, you're going to have a fight or flight response. You're either going to run away or you're going to fight me. The brain, it's an either or. Right? You may freeze, which is when you get immobile. That's a third response. But right? those are the only choices available to you. That is an extreme version of fear. Right? But you move a little bit up the scale and you're getting something similar. And when I say the brain limits the choices, the, the other way to put this is the more norepinephrine in your system, two things happen that are, that are really important here. One, the brain gets really logical. This is how it limits your choices. It becomes really rational, really, really logical and not. So convergent thinking, which is when ideas come together, goes way up. Divergent thinking, which is outside the box, lateral thinking, what you need for creativity and innovation, goes way down. So the more scared you get, the less creative you get is the first problem. And the more scared you get, the more it blocks flow. Fear will block flow. So at this time, to get flow, we'll come back to that. We're going to come back. We want to, the one last thing we want to talk about is primary flow activities, but let me finish this idea because it's important. We're, it's a stressful time. It's freaky. You're stuck at home. We don't know what's going on in the world. Your parents are probably driving you crazy, et cetera. Right? Um, in your case, John, your parents are probably not driving you crazy. Your kids are probably driving you crazy. But um, my point is that we know how to calm the nervous system down, how to get rid of norepinephrine. And positive psychologists are really great on this. There's three things you can do, basically. There may be four. One, daily gratitude practice making a list of 10 things you're grateful for and really trying to feel grateful. And the reason this is important is it forces the brain to notice more positive information than negative information. So it makes you more optimistic, more cheerful. If you're not without a gratitude practice, the brain will take in nine negative bits of information for every positive bit that gets through. This is the way the brain filters information because the brain's always trying to fight off threats and keep you alive. First order business is survival. Wow. So, we have, when psychologists talk about it, they call it a negativity bias. Wow. Here's the big deal. The whole band with a consciousness, meaning all the information that gets in, it's not really big. Like millions of bits of information flow in every second, but our world is composed of 2,000 outputs or so. It's really small. And the ratio from negative to positive is nine to one. Dang. And 
so if you can do a gratitude practice or a couple of the other practices that I'm talking about, you can start to tip that to five to one, six to one, that sort of thing. Wow. And this is so really now understand since we're taught, this is an innovation thing. Let's talk about how this impacts creativity, and innovation, your brain, when your brain is creative, what it does is it takes in new information. It combines it with older ideas, older stuff you learned before. And that's how you create something new, right? That's the basic, you know, there's a bunch of science in there, but that's the basic process of creativity. So if you're taking in nine negative things, right? Things that are scary, uh, they're usually very little of the scary stuff is all that new. It's scary stuff we've seen before, but we're still scary. That's not feeding creativity. There's no novelty there. There's no new information. Yeah. So the, only, the other side of the coin is what else gets in is stuff that fits in, that, that was goal-oriented. The brain is very goal-oriented. So goals you've set for yourself and maybe it's, I want to go get something to eat. Maybe it's, I want a girlfriend. Maybe it's, I want a new job. Maybe it's, I want to write a history, like whatever it is. Um, I want to get into college. Your brain will start noticing opportunity, right? But if you're too scared, that opportunity information doesn't get in yeah. Yeah. at all. So that's how fear wow. blows up creativity and innovation. So that's, so how do you fight the fear? Well, gratitude is one way mindfulness, a breathing, a respiration practice. Mm -hmm. And mindfulness, a real, the, they call it mindfulness. It's such a clumpy, clumsy word, but it talks it about something really important, which is mindfulness is learning to mind, pay attention to the mind. And all you're really, the, what is the goal of mindfulness of all these breathing practices and things? Where it's to teach your brain that, hey, you're the most effective when you are calm, not hyper-reactive, Etc. Etc. Like that's what you're doing. You're training the brain to calm down, so you can make better decisions. So you can solve problems more easily. So you can learn quicker. So you blah blah all the stuff we want to do. So I like the easiest way is a five second inhale and a ten second exhale. If you can't do that, do a or or then work your way up to ten second inhales and twenty seconds exhales. This is a really simple is that box breathing. No, that's not box breathing. This is much simpler. Okay. okay, okay. Um, just five seconds. When your exhale is twice as long as your inhale, especially if the exhale is over seven seconds long, you're basically activating the parasympathetic nervous system. So you have two nervous systems, sympathetic, which is your fight or flight response and parasympathetic, which is rest and relax. So like you've eaten a big meal, you're really tired afterwards. You're just chilling. That's the parasympathetic nervous system that is making you feel that way. It's saying, hey, man, you're safe. You just ate a big meal. The best thing you could do right now to help your digestion is just chill out and be mellow. So that's what happens after we eat. So you can trigger that as long as your exhales are twice as long as your inhales. So breathe in and out through your nose. Wow. And um, the other thing uh, I will mention, um, because it's uh, – useful in this sort of time of crisis is one of the things that I like to do, I like to try to do, I hate mindfulness. It's really hard for me. Um, and I've been doubling down too. So I have a, you can get real results with mindfulness with 11 minutes a day. You don't have to go crazy with this 11 minutes a day. Yeah. I've been doing um, two 20 minute sessions a day because I'm as freaked out as everybody else. And I want to, 
I like I'm using this time. I've got two books that I'm on deadline for. Okay. <laughs> you shut the world down for a month. Great. I like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I like yeah, social, yeah. social isolation is my middle name. <laughs> <laughs> this has not been a change. No, what, what blew my mind when you're talking is that literally my fear of this, and I'm not trying to be snarky, but my biggest fear of these two to how many weeks is that we're going to have millions of hours lost scrolling through negativity. And you just told me that is the, day, that is the death of a lot of creativity. That is the death of a lot of innovation. So if you're just going to be looking so, for yeah, stuff that makes you mad. Well, and hold, on, gonna, yeah, hold on one sec because I, I want to tie this in and make this practical. Okay. Um, I start, you said I get, I, I get up early. I get up at four o'clock in the morning and I write till 8 a.m. Now this, by the way, I, this is only because when I was starting out as a journalist yeah. and I had, I was so poor and I had, to, I had to take any work that came my way and I was trying to write my books. So I, my editors, they were all as young as I was and they were as poor as I was. And everybody was trying to work really hard. So they were all in New York. I was in California. They would come into their offices at eight o'clock in the morning because they got in there early and they would start calling me and I would have to be up and have gotten my writing done before they started calling me because the minute they asked me to do do it take a job I was so poor I had to take the job so <laughs> right I, I like this is not like I just and then it's just become a habit but what's great about it is the world's not awake yet and I and so I want to speak to what you just said so I have a media I I you know obviously I run companies I, I do a lot of stuff in the world I have to deal with the world and what's on right now during the day, but I allow myself to do it from 10 o'clock till five o'clock yeah. and that's it, right? I have it from five o'clock on, it's immediate, it gets turned off, everything gets turned off and it, most importantly, turned off, I go to sleep, it's not lingering in my head as I'm going to sleep, I go to sleep and I wake up and I do not ever, playing, looking at your telephone, your phone before you start working, you're playing Russian roulette with your emotions. Who the hell knows who texted you and what they're going to, right? Like, and the minute your emotions start going, you've lost that great concentration that you yeah. want to bring into your work, yes. right? Yeah, I've fallen into that. I sometimes will even forget. I'm like, wait, what was I supposed to be working on? Because something bothered me, I, distracted me. No, I, I totally We've agree. got a new, at the Flow Research Collective, we've got a new class, like a, a, a week-long class called Distraction Disruptor. <laughs> that it's really like it's everything because uh, it's built. It, I mean, it, it's coincidental. We've been building it for six months. It was going to launch yesterday for the past, like it launched yesterday. It was going to do this for the past four months. It's on, on the schedule. We've been building it. It just so happened. It's, um, it's like a week long uh, class. And it's what's really, it's, you know, a lot of it, some of it is just, hey, these are the tech tools we use to manage our technology. Right, like these are there's a whole bunch of anti-distraction technology tools that have become available. They're great. There's some really good ones out there. We use we use them, and you know I'm really uh, you got to be cautious with the media right now. Like all of us, like whatever it is that you believe about what's going on, it's besides the point. Um, your all I know is. Whatever happens when this is over, everybody wants to hit the ground running. And I also know that it takes a minimum of 
two weeks to four weeks to build a new habit. So peak performance is all about building new habits. So what a fantastic time to layer in a daily gratitude practice, a little mindfulness respiration session, uh, followed by some uninterrupted concentration, high and flow. And finally, let me say the last final things I want to say, because I'm talking about uninterrupted concentration, start your day with your hardest task. And I'm kind of referring to school, right? I'm kind of referring to whatever it is that you're working on for school. Do that also. So most people, and there's way more, but most people have what we like to call a primary flow activity, meaning the main thing that you do that gives you flow and a secondary flow activity. And I'll give you, everybody knows their primary flow activity. For me, it's skiing. Number one, I go skiing, I'm in a flow state. I go downhill mountain biking, I'm probably at a flow state as well. So that's my primary flow activity. Most people have a primary flow activity. It could be hiking. It could be running. I like weightlifting as well. That's a good flow activity for me. Playing music, playing video, whatever. Like there's a primary flow activity Two things are cool here. One, now is the time to double down in your primary flow activity because one of the bonus things about flow is when you move into flow, it, call, it automatically it flushes hormones out of your system, so it calms down the nervous system. So the best way to calm yourself down during this period of crisis and be able to focus on your work is to remember, take the time to enjoy your primary flow activity. If you can't go out, right? I often, people can laugh at me and know nobody will ever see video of this because I'm terrible. But when I need 10 minutes of flow fun between, between like I've been doing neuroscience research over here and I got to go write a book over here, I will pull up a five-minute hip-hop dance class. How to do the robot, blah, blah, blah. And I will try, try to learn a new hip-hop dance move, right? <laughs> Flowy activity, super fun. Later this afternoon, the skate park is deserted. I'm going to go take my skateboard to the skate park. Um, four days ago when it snowed and I, I built a little ski jump in my backyard and skied down and tried to teach myself nose butter threes. And I'm 53 years old, right? And I'm doing this because one, I think it's fun, but two, the flow it produces yeah, it. is so yep. critical. More importantly, and this is what nobody tells, um, nobody tells people, um, the brain is plastic, which is to say, act, let me, Try that again. Flow is a focusing skill. It's a skill. It's a way of focusing. So if I get a lot of flow when I'm out skiing, the next time I sit down to write, I'm going to have an easier time getting into flow because the way the brain focuses is the same. The activity may be different, but the focus is, so we like to say the more flow you get, the more flow you get. So literally, if video games is your flow trigger, cool. Play video games because you'll actually get more video flow when you're actually doing your homework as a result. Yeah. Um, your secondary flow activity, this is, for me, it's writing, right? It's it usually, you know, you try to find a way, often try to find a way to make a living in your secondary flow activity kind of thing. Like that's often, you don't, you very rarely want to make a living in your primary flow activity. And I, like, I'll give you an example. I once thought, oh, I'm, my favorite thing to do in the world is skiing. And skiing's really flowy, and I train people to get into flow all the time. Maybe I should do a ski-based flow training. And I did one with Kristen Ulmer, famous pro skier, and I hated it. I wanted to kill people. I was like, you're messing up my ski day. What are you doing? Stop talking to me. I don't want to train you. It was terrible. So <coughs> secondary flow activity is often where you want to work as you get older. Um, but this is 
right? Your primary, the flow you're going to get, dancing, playing music, drawing, coding, whatever it is, it's going gonna, it's gonna to flow back in. And at this point, because we're in a crisis, you want to really, really take care of yourself as much as possible. And here's the best news about all this. Whatever we know about COVID-19, we know that people who have stronger immune systems and more resiliency are doing better, right? Doesn't take much. What's the best way to boost your immune system? Get rid of stress and boost flow. All the neurochemicals that show up in flow boost the immune system. There's five of them and they all are immune boosters. So there's a lot of correlation between flow and good positive health outcomes. We see that a lot. I've, I, I've had personal this one as well, um, but that's really common. So in a time of crisis, when we're dealing with a healthcare issue, the best thing you could do for your psyche may be one of the best things you could do for your body and your health as well. So you really want to double down on these activities, gratitude practice, mindfulness. The other thing is exercise. That's a great, like, Gratitude, mindfulness, and exercise, what we, when we train people, we tell them, do one a day. Five minutes of gratitude, minutes of mindfulness, 10 to 20 minutes of mindfulness, or 20 to 40 minutes of exercise. And when I say exercise, just exercise, like you, you want to keep going until it's quiet upstairs, right? When the voice in your head gets quieter, that's the front edge of a flow state, same mechanism. Um, you've done, exercise has done its job for your brain right? That you can keep going if you want, but like you want to go until it's quiet upstairs minimum. That's a good metric for this. We try to train people. We say, hey, if you want more flow in your life, probably the best things you could do are threefold. Once a day, either meditate, do a gratitude practice to get some exercise. Two, start your day with a 90 to 120 minute block of uninterrupted, protected concentration. Three, double down on your primary flow activity. So I always tell people when I, the biggest, the, the, the thing that I did that increased the most flow in my life overall in my work life was when I foundationally committed to going skiing or mountain biking at least two days a week, no matter what. And trust me, like when you're tired, when you're overloaded, when there's a lot to do at work, like that's a, you laugh because you're like, that sounds like a lot of fun. Try Try doing that in the yeah. like all ever well, like try being that fiercely committed to that. The founder of GoPro, like I actually I read that from one of your books. That like the founder of GoPro was like, go out and surf, you'll be better. And uh, yeah, it, like you have your own prescription. Like go out and do fun activities. Well, you're, you're Patagonia has to let my people go surfing. A house policy. If you work at Patagonia, their waves are breaking out. That's, front. Right, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. and yeah. it's this it's this okay. reason because flow makes you so productive. So you go out. And you surf for an hour and you come back and you're in flow and you're 500% more productive. Oh yeah. my God, you're going to get more done in the next hour of yeah. work than you would have gotten done all day. Yeah. Right. So yeah. go do this. Right. So though I really like at a really like starter kit level once a day, gratitude, mindfulness yeah. and ex or exercise. And I would tell you that in these times of crisis, I'm doing tw two a days, right? I'm, I'm doubling down on That's all awesome. that stuff. Um, Cause you know, I'm just as much of a ninny as everybody else. Right? I'm just as scared as everybody else. Um, but I'm not going to let it get in the way of my work and my creativity. I'm going to use that energy from the fear. And I, I always say that I'm successful because I was very, very good at turning fear into words. 
Yeah, Stephen, that's literally one of the reasons why we're doing this is that we're trying to get more of our students to see problems as opportunities. This is a great opportunity for you to be in a different environment, doing different things and understanding. And this has been gold. Uh, a, I say this and, and I, I always want to express my gratitude, how much you've impacted uh, my classroom and, and in my own family. Uh, but this, this lesson here is amazing. And uh, yeah, you just put a bow on it. Like take these moments to discover these ways to get into flow, these ways to get into creativity. I imagine, appreciate it so, so much. Become, imagine like 10 years from now, somebody's going to say, hey man, what'd you do during COVID-19, right? Like that's going to, that's going to be a thing. I right? got into flow like, state. Right, like, right, right. And right. you know what I mean? I, like my answer, if, if your answer is, oh dude, I, I, I sat at home and I, and I couldn't stop watching CNN, um, right. man, and I was terrified. Like that's what I did with COVID-19. Like, Okay, but yeah. imagine you could take the you could take the next two weeks, three weeks, or a month, just practice these like little things we've been talking about, massively up level your skill set, and when the world reboots, you're dangerous, and you're all a lot more dangerous than you were before. So I don't know. That yeah. sounds like good to me. Awesome. <laughs> well, hey, I will make sure that all that like seriously, guys, if you're watching this. The books are legendary. Like I said, whether you want to read about, you know, Rise Superman and talk about performance and how flow affects performance, uh, the the three the triumvirate of books that he's written with Peter, um, Abundance, Bold, and now Futures Fa Faster Than You Think. Uh, you've got a novel out, uh, Last Tango in Cyberspace. Um, gosh. Even if you want to read about, there's twelve of them. Man. I was just get, I was just guessing. Even if you want to read about go. rescued chihuahuas, I don't have a list in front of me. But uh, you, you are. About, I have written about animals. That's right. Uh, oh my gosh, uh, furry little prayer. Small, small furry prayer. Small prayer. All right, sorry. Which, well, by I, the way, I will say, just because it's funny. So, okay, hold on one sec. I'll show it to you. Okay, this is visual aid. So I wrote a book called The Small Furry Pro that did really well. It was very, uh, it was really fancy, uh, won some awards, was a bestseller, and was translated into a lot of languages, including Korean. So this is the Korean version, okay? <laughs> so the photo was funny as you're laughing at it, and my wife thought it was funny too. And a friend of ours was in the hospital, and she brought this book to the hospital to show my friend. And my friend was like, oh, this is Small Furry Prayer. Her nurse was Korean, looked down at the book and went, that doesn't say small furry prayer. In Korea, I am Chihuahua man. <laughs> I just want you to know. I, swear, I thought you were going to go grab one of your man. Chihuahuas. I thought like, you're like, hold on, I'll be right back. I was like, oh, he's no, going to grab I, one of his Chihuahuas. I can grab one of my That's Chihuahuas. That's okay. <laughs> All right. The, All right, the cavalry will come in. This was super fun. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, I appreciate you, and uh, we will connect soon, guys. If you're watching this, please uh, connect with Stephen and uh, check yeah, out the Flow books. FlowResearchCollective.com. Hey, yes. one other thing, anybody who's interested, if you go to the FlowResearchCollective.com forward slash, forward slash flow blocker, F-L-O-W-B-L-O-C-K-E-R, we built a really cool free diagnostic, and it'll, do it, it'll, it'll, look, it'll overview your life and say, hey, this is the thing you're doing that is blocking flow the most in your life. So that's free. You can check that out at flowresearchcollective.com. All right.
Thank you so much, Jim Cowler. Sweet, brother. Be good.